You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, good to be back, guys. Welcome back. Greg Hectus. Uh, is this thing live? I heard you. All right, David Hall. My computer has a ghost. Ooh. It's week 13, everyone, and you know what that means. New cars, tracks, and more, and we'll cover it all. We'll catch you up with all, including how well iRacing compares to the real-world counterpart, a bomb was dropped in the world of Porsche Super Cup Series, and we'll cover some new hardware, including one of the most plush rigs we've ever seen. Yeah, and if you want to follow along and see that plush rig, you can follow on your PC or mobile device in real time as we, as you listen to the show and see for yourself. All these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com. Go there and select show notes, and we hope to see you then. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use coupon code iRacersLounge to get actually 10% 10% off. They uh, got an email from these guys this week and they want our listeners to come out. And so uh, they stepped it up, guys, from the usual 5% affiliate link to 10% off with uh, the code iRacers Lounge. And so that is your ticket to actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer with Sim Coaches. Brian, are you hyped for the patch? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, iRacing put out some uh, pre-build hype uh, with some tweets in anticipation of this uh, new 2022 season one build, including like the Honda Civic Type R and Hyundai Elantra CN7 with a company uh intro introduction video uh they also had a, a funny funny little uh tweet from this uh hyundai like little uh track car uh that they uh posted and uh they asked uh what do you reckon the top speed of this thing is it's kind of like a little golf cart almost that uh, they uh travel around the tracks with the parts and tires and stuff on it. it's pretty pretty funny little little tidbit there or to ferry uh, fans that don't want to walk across the track it's a it's a Brian Herta Autosport. If you look carefully, it does say that uh, cart for hauling tires um, for this particular car, and that's the clue they gave before they announced what kind of cars they were. Because uh, you know Brian Herta Autosport actually fields uh, one of these cars, and they uh, were facilitating um, the scan of the car and so forth. So. Um, it was interesting when they put out the picture of the tire cart, um, the responses, nobody guessed what it was. I mean, nobody could guess. And uh, and then afterwards, obviously, it made sense. 
Well, the weird thing is, is Hyundai is only like they don't have a big uh, known racing entity, right? Like, so um, what would they, you know, compete in? And obviously, their their new N series is their like performance line. So it's good to see, you know, they, this this is obviously the series that they compete in, and uh, it's good that we got the first scan of uh, the uh, Hyundai Elantra CN7. What in the world are you saying? Hyundai. Hyundai. It's Hyundai. It's Hyundai. 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 No, it's Hyundai. Hyundai. Couple extra syllables in there somewhere. So I want to point out, you know, Hyundai is getting all the press. The Honda Civic Type R is all kind of overshadowed. I don't know why, but I, I just haven't heard anything from Honda. I haven't, you know. Brian Herta obviously is fielding the Hyundai, not the Honda. And so I guess that's why there's a little focus on that. But, uh, man, where's Honda? I mean, Honda, this car is awesome. And my son, who, uh, you know, is quite a bit younger than me, this is the type of car he's into. In fact, he owns a car kind of like this. And uh, I sent him this this uh, Twitter, and he was, like, stoked. And he was like, man, maybe I should be in iRacing. Yeah, the, the millennial generation, particularly, I have, the students that graduated kind of in the, the 2000s, the 2010s, uh, a lot of my kids were always talking about their Hondas and how all the different ways they could trick them out. There's a huge aftermarket product for, for the Honda. It's called a tuner community and still exists, even in adults that are not just kids, though. Yeah, muscle cars are dead uh, from, from our childhood. Well, I mean, muscle car, the problem with the muscle car is most people, they're now worth a lot of money. So it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to have a muscle car and uh, do what they used to do with them. There's also a lot of, uh, uh, not economic, uh, ec- ec- ecological rules that make those type of cars more expensive to own. What, you mean a big V8? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> Dinosaur eight, V8? Eight, eight miles a gallon, right? So, uh, yeah, so uh, Steve Myers actually tweeted and uh, thanked Brian Herto Autosports and LA Honda World for their help they provided in getting these cars built. So they did get some help from Honda, LA Honda World, uh, as well as Brian Herta Autosport in, in order to get these cars, I guess, scanned and uh, put into the sim. I'm trying to find, like, this, this series has a lot of uh, different manufacturers in it, so I wonder if they're going to start building up um, a series like this with all the different uh, types of manufacturers that you can uh, compete in with it because you got three now, right? So what can we run? Seven in a series? So can we find four more? Well, it it does run in a series. It's the Michelin, it's the IMSA Michelin Autopilot Challenge and it's run, it runs TCRs, GT4s, and GT3s. Yeah, but I would say it's going to eventually be its own TCR series uh, at some point and just be that. Got three makes for it, you know. So, uh, what what class uh, license class are these cars? Do you know yet? I I've downloaded the update, but I haven't been in iRacing since downloading. I haven't tried this one yet. I haven't even seen it. I've, I've I have it. I just haven't seen what the license requirement is for because there isn't. Have you seen any official series for next season? Or are the ones that are just going to go in its own or back in that series that David's talking about? I think Michelin is C. I think Michelin is class C. Because the, the uh, upper IMSA with the with the LMP two is a class B, and the Euro Sprint car, the Euro is class A. 
Is that the Michelin Pilot Challenge? Yes. Dave, that, that is Class C. I'm looking at it now on the uh, schedule. So the L.A. Honda World, um, I'm checking that out. It's literally a, a car dealer in L.A., a big one, of course, but it's probably corporate-owned. And But, uh, yeah, I guess that's who they had to coordinate with uh, to get the scan. That seems like a far way for uh, a Boston-based company to be scanning a car, you know? I wonder if there was some shipping involved or maybe you have some remote locations in uh, across the country. Wasn't this kind of interesting for the fact that um, they've got this and then they're talking about, what is it, those Brazil cars for the NASCARs? Like, they're d- these more European cars... Um, being looked into um, because obviously it sounds like we're running out of a, a bunch of things in North America to scan. And then we got a video um, from iRacing on the Twitter of showing off the cars. Um, you know, the front end is really pitched down is what I noticed. And, you know, the, it looks like a, you know, a production car for sure with a big wing on it. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, there's no, I'm looking at a, a rear view of the, the Hyundai and there's no there's no diffuser on the back, right? So it looks more like a stock under underbelly. I'm guessing a diffuser probably. I mean, it would probably help, but I don't know what. I think they have like 350 horsepower. Um, do they generate enough for it to create a huge downforce, or is that just too much weight to add to it? So let's keep moving. Let's switch gears to F1. Oh, I mean, Coanda Simsport. Listener Eric Whiting sends in. A tweet from Coanda Simsport announcing the withdrawal of returning Josh Rogers as well as Mitchell DeYoung, Martin Kroenke, Mac Backham, and Tommy Ostgard from the Tag Heuer Porsche Super Cup Series. And so the entire team is out of Porsche. And they don't say exactly why either. And so with the timing of the release of the F1 car this week, and uh, them announcing this just uh, the, within a few days of it. I mean, uh, what, what do they know that we don't know? No, Mike, is there... I'm trying to remember. The, the Porsche series hasn't started yet, has it? Do they end the season? No. no, they just did the media day, so it's coming up. Okay, so they, they were drawn before any events have started then. Right. Like the media date is when every you know everything's public. They're taking pictures of the drivers and all that. Well, the one guess is they're jumping out to go to the F one car when the series goes there, or when a World Series goes there. Right. Nothing's been announced as far as World Championships, and none of those guys were that I know of were in the uh, in the uh, Jet Car Championship. So or not? Yeah. So I don't know. This is a very odd thing to me. it doesn't bode well for that series, in my opinion. Um, but man, that's all. These are the, this is the returning champion, Josh Rogers. Mitchell DeYoung finished second in the championships. Martin Kroenke was up there. Max Backham was in the top five, I believe. I mean, that's you're pulling out all the big guns out of that series. That's that's quite a blur to that to that uh, Porsche series, and uh, man, that's going to be a tough one to. Uh, to overcome another i'm sure the series will go on but you know you always have that thought in the back of your head or are these the best guys you know uh, who, who who are left you know you had the returning champion leaving the, the second place driver um i'm assuming um uh the, the rest will be back but man that's a lot of big names coming out of that series 
Well, I mean, that's a big assumption too. I mean, Brian, because I mean, we're seeing this because it's visible. This is the big names, you know, and we're, but we're, we're probably not seeing having visibility to all those other drivers in the Porsche super cup. I mean, how many of those are looking at the same thing these guys are going to go do, you know? So, um, yeah, I bet if I was Porsche, I would be kind of pissed right now, you know, but it's not an open wheel car, you know, and, and, uh, you know, put the Porsche as the open wheel championship, which it filled that role for a few years. Uh, you know, I don't know if that was ever the greatest idea, but that's what they did. And, and, and we all knew this day was coming that, you know, we would have a proper open wheel championship and it sure looks like it based on what Kawanda is doing. Now, my question is, is does Kawanda have their, um, are they involved in any other Sims that the reason they may be pulling away is there's another Sim that they're running a series in and they can't run the Porsche, but they haven't obviously stated anything, have they? No announcements that I've seen, but that's very true, Greg. I mean, they, I mean, we're focused on iRacing. Uh, maybe it's something else they're doing, R-Factor or something. Who knows? Yeah, I, I followed along that Twitter thread that for Coanda's announcement, and uh, you know everybody was asking why, 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 and nothing was uh, replied to any of those questions. Very, very strange. And if they did want to, you know, if they did want to be a uh, open wheel in open wheels, why didn't they run the jet car? Um, I don't know. It's it's very strange. All right, more to come on that. So Brian. Um, have you had to kind of hide your phone bill from your wife lately for any reason? No, but thank God I didn't do what Tom Wilcox did. Uh, he, he posted this, this note. He was, um, he's from the iRacing community and he saw a phone number on a, for a Chevy dealership on a billboard at Texas motor speedway. So he was in iRacing. He was kind of like uh, floating around with the cameras. It wasn't uh, a phone number that was very accessible, you know, unless you're uh, doing like the scenic shots or something like that. So um, he saw this phone number on the billboard for Chevy, um, a Chevy dealership. So I guess he decided he won't need a new vehicle and called the number. Well, he didn't get the Chevy dealership. He got an adult phone, <laughs> adult phone number. Uh, so uh, he, somehow that number is attached to an adult uh, web or adult uh, phone company, whatever it is, answering service, whatever. And uh, he he posted that information on on here. It's kind of funny. It, it said, "Quote: Welcome to the best adult chat. Hot girls are waiting to talk to you right now." So this can't be an accident, right? This isn't. <laughs> this isn't something that they just made up. Or a he's making in it head. up. I didn't check it. I didn't call the number. Okay. Did you see the number there, Mike? No. This is. I just saw the Facebook post. I thought we would talk about it. I mean, what do you guys think? Would iRacing sneak a number in there as a joke? I mean, this is kind of a bad joke, but I don't think they would. Maybe Either this guy's that. making it up. Well, there's also the possibility that the number has changed. That's, that's true. true. Yeah, that's pretty good. That could be true. It could be. Ha it could be. Um, there was. I don't know if you guys remember this, but years ago there was a there was a controversy with Disney where they had some phallic -y symbols on like the little all mermaid the old castle. VHS, all the VHS yes, tapes on the on the on the VHS copies of like the Little Mermaid. Her castle. The castle is one of the spires in the castle was a phallic, and for sure it wasn't. It wasn't no doubt about it. But you know, if you didn't really look around, you didn't see it. 
And uh, there was another <laughs> one in The Lion King where, <laughs> where yeah, where uh, Simba or lays down in a puff of smoke and the smoke spells spells sex if you watch the smoke real closely so i mean stuff like that happens with uh, these uh animators and maybe that happens as well in something like this but it's kind of kind of funny maybe it was maybe it was an accident maybe this guy's making it up who knows but and maybe it changed the number like david said but it's it's kind of a funny coincidence either way and i bet you if it's real and i racing ceases i bet you that number gets changed i was gonna just say the same thing brian because uh, even with video game developers there's uh um in some games they take shots at other other series like i remember of an uncharted on an uncharted video game they put uh, a picture of a sailboat on the on the uh or like a ship on the wall in uh, one of the games and it was a shot at uh, assassin's creed and they had to take it down like there's there's things like that where even like Back in the day, Duke Nukem used to put the nudie magazines hidden and in the game and stuff like that. So there's things that are put in by developers that you know they're hoping people don't people do find, but they don't. Hopefully, it doesn't get a kind of this kind of a post to it. So let's hope it's not that. But <laughs> yeah, not good. I, I can just see it right now. People are looking up Disney's uh, Little Mermaid uh, cover Another right now. I logging into it. Texas Motor Speedway to find that number. Next hot fix will be them changing the graphics at Texas, right? Yeah, if you see that come up, you know what you know. It was and you know they're listening. Okay, then. Well, they might try to put the brakes on it. Uh, but speaking of brakes. The uh, next topic is breaking tips. It's a video. Gave this one a good watch uh, right before we got on here. A lot of good information. Um, we've talked about some of these same breaking tips before. So I'm not going to go into the details because I'm going to let you watch the video. But uh, this one is, let me actually open the channel. I just watched it straight off of our page. It, it's actually right on uh, iRacing's website, isn't it? Or YouTube page. Well, it's a repost. They reposted okay. it. Um, so this person called Dory in, uh, who has uh, 5,000 subscribers on YouTube, uh, does a lot of racing videos. And so they just kind of, you know, got her video and, and reposted it, kind of like they've done with Dave Cam and Annie Rabbits. Yeah, it's a good seven-minute video, which gives you uh, the, the tips on the kind of braking shape that you want if you were to graph it out, as well as kind of the, the science behind it as well as how how to adjust your brake bias. So go give it a watch. It'll be a good one. Um, if you if you uh, go to Dory N's uh, actual YouTube page, so if you go to iRacing, you obviously see the iRacing logo that everybody's familiar with. Well, Dory N, if you go to his page to watch his video, his um, his symbol for his webs his uh, YouTube page is a is a play on that video with the driver. Except the driver's got a big gut on him. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny looking if you if you go to Dory. Got the beer gut going. Yeah, he's got a beer gut on his uh, iRacing guy. It's kind of funny. That's awesome. Awesome. I love it. And the colors are off just a little bit, so it's not a total ripoff. Yeah, yeah. I did watch this video too, Dave, and I think it's a it's a good one to watch for for um, guys who are not super uh, road racers like myself. And I did watch it, and I learned some tips that I think I'm going to try uh, working on. So yeah, it's a good video, especially for those guys who are learning to to get make a little bit extra time on uh, road courses. I got this one. I call it just got yeeted. And the other night I stumbled on the Twitch and 
late at night and stumbled on to Landon Castle, who, congratulations, Landon, on your new ride. Uh, he's going to be in the Cup Series, apparently. And uh, Parker Kligerman and David Childhouse calling uh, one of these elimination races for their uh, Landon uh, qualifying race thing they have. And I don't think this was the final. This was some kind of elimination race to get to the final. But basically, it's a restrictor plate race. And every lap at the at the line, whoever is last is eliminated. And the uh, admin yanks them. You know, you're DQ'd out. You know, you're or, or off the server, removed from server. And so every lap, one by one, they whittle them down until there's nobody left, and then whoever's left standing is the winner. And so it was a lot of fun to watch. I was quite entertained, and what a neat format. I just I wanted to just take a minute and talk about it on the show. We should try this on one of our fun events, um, get 40 guys out there, narrow it down to one. I, I love it. It was, it was super fun because at the, in, at the back of the pack, man, that's where the focus was because – Whoever's back there, you know, they're in trouble and like they're trying to get runs on each other. And it was total carnage and there was tons of wrecks. And like I said, fun to watch. Yeah, and this video was really, really cool. Even this the short clip from uh, from uh, the uh, Eraser GG site. Because uh, Aaron Smith at the time is in 22nd place. He's in last place. And he's, and he's up against a wall of cars in front of him. They're three wide in front, and he's got to pass at least one of those cars to not be eliminated, and there's just nowhere to go. It's it's three wide at Daytona, so it's narrow enough that you know it's almost impossible to create a fourth line. So he's searching around, trying to find a hole in these uh, these three cars in front of him to, to get ahead, and it's, it's really interesting. Uh, it's a really cool format, especially in a uh, restrictor plate race. It's a lot of fun to watch. Oh, yeah, and is right after the line, too. Boop, the car's gone, you know. And hence, the, he got yurted. Okay. Yeah, right, I was well, gonna... Get into the big one. This is the release notes, yep. right? Uh, I raced in 2001. It's out with a green flag. The major season release adds a pair of new touring cars. <clears throat> the Honda Civic Type R and the Honda Elantra NTC. Yeah, so we uh, kind of went over these two cars real quick. Um, we know now that they are going to be C-Class licensed cars. They're going to be running in the uh, IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge season. So, uh, yeah, so th that was the first thing that came up on the uh, release notes is these two new cars, the Honda and the Hyundai. We'll probably dive into it a lot deeper, but the big, probably the biggest highlight and that a lot of people are excited about is the Mercedes-AMG F1 W12E Performance. And also the Knockhill Racing Circuit has come out. Um, do, do we want to go into some of the details about the Mercedes or put that off till later in the script? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. I mean, I've been driving it. I bought it right off the bat. Um, I wanted to see how fast this car is. And I don't think I've found the limits in the corners. I mean, at Watkins Glen, through the carousel, you can hold it flat in seventh gear. I mean, and you not lift. And... Uh, and so it's got some balls to it, but it's really weird on the, at the end of the straightaway, it's how it slows down because the battery runs out or whatever. And that feels so odd to me because you think the car is going to go faster and faster as you go down a straightaway, but you, the longer you go, the slower it gets. It's crazy. It's so offsetting. Well, I mean, the car is basically 
relying on that battery for the last little bit. Like the cars are uh, limited in how much fuel it can give, so that's how much horsepower it can make from just the naturally aspirated engine or the sorry the turbocharged engine. Um, but it needs to needs that battery, and once it's gone, you're going back to what the the engine can do, and the engine you know, isn't as, isn't as efficient as having it all together. Right? That, I think something's wrong with the programming then. Cause that's not really how the hybrids are supposed to work. Usually the battery is more efficient on the lower end of the, of the speed chart. And then you lean on the gas engine for, for the higher ends, uh, particularly in the LMP one, it's all manual boost there and you boost the low gears. You don't boost the high gears. Yeah. But in an F one, in those LMP cars, they're not restricted in fuel restricted in, in fuel flow on the f1 cars they don't they only make like i think it's like 700 and something out of horsepower from the engine it's another um two to three hundred i think it's maybe 200 all 200 horsepower from the 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 different systems they have and each car is different in f1 for how they use their system but um the problem is is there we we don't i don't know we don't have control over the boost and it. it's doing it itself is it not mike I haven't been in the car yet. So, no, there's buttons to map. And, you know, I map the DRS, and I see the DRS sign, and I push the button, and it doesn't seem to help. But I realize the car, there's not a car in front of me close enough, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know well, all the rules. If you're in but, an open practice, DRS should work no matter what. It's when you're in a race, you have to be within one second of the car in front of you to open DRS. I see. But... And, and I then just, there's another thing, uh, the MPUQ, which is the battery, I believe. Yeah, but that's just a, when you were showing it, wasn't it just to set um, a setting for it? It wasn't actually, it's not like the hybrids we have with the um, LMP1 where you boot, there's no boost button. And I think we're supposed, we should have one at some point. But for it because you should there's be different configurations control. yeah there's qualifying and race and i yeah the, it's very complicated like the previous f1 car so i'm going to need some training i'm going to need some help to somebody to make sure i got the buttons map make sure i know when to push what button when i don't know any of that and so i'm still kind of feeling yeah, that out i don't think you should be losing pace at, at the straightaway it's not using the battery correctly if that's happening something Something's well, Tony wrong. said the same thing. He hey, was running the car hold, earlier hold on, today. Hold on. Do you watch F1? They lose it at the end of the straightaway. They lose the power because the, the, it runs out. It's not the F1 doesn't run the same way as the hybrids do for LMPs. They run out of boost and battery. They run out of battery power. So <laughs> I get what you're saying, David, but that car is correct. Now, I want to digress a little bit here because iRacing put out their podcast called Downshift, and I listen to it, which I usually don't. You know, I don't, I don't want to steal their ideas or content, and so I just don't, I stay away. But this time I could not because they had a special guest on, the guy from Mercedes who is the team principal or the guy in charge of everything. And uh, they had an interview where they talked about the partnership, how the the car came about how the communication went back and forth fascinating information anthony davidson who's the test driver over there did hours and hours and hours on this car giving feedback about what to adjust and whatnot and they were putting him in their simulator at mercedes in the iRacing car and 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 doing tons of laps so 
they have their own drivers, their own equipment, um, validating this car. So like iRacing would bank it, they would send it to them, they would validate it and they would say, this is wrong or this is right and that kind of thing. And that's what's so cool about this because this has got to be the most accurate car ever because not only is it like a scan or a CAD or whatever, it's more than that because the drivers and the team who built it, the manufacturer have validated it real time in their racing facilities how they normally would because they're driven by data too. Fascinating listen. I, I, All you guys should go out there and listen to that. Well, it was developed with the drivers of Lewis Hamilton, Nico Rosberg, Valtteri Bottas, and uh, George Russell, which, you know, Hamilton and Russell are going to drive next year's car, but this one that they've scanned could be an, end up being a world championship car by the end of this weekend. If not, then, but I mean, it's still, um, it's really cool that we've got this car uh, in the sim. And um, it's, yeah, and even though those drivers have worked on it, I, I think he he downplayed that a little bit. He said that the reserve drivers are the ones who really did the work. Well, you're not going to – I mean, they're probably got in it to test it just to make sure, like, the end. But I bet you, like you're saying, the reserve drivers, because they're not going to trouble the drivers in the time of their – you know, they're, they're in their heat of their championships – they don't want to, they're not going to be worried about this. They're going to be running their own sim and want to be part of the sim um, at their facility, right? Okay. And so let's, let's wrap up the F1 car talk a little bit with paint. So part of the agreement apparently with Mercedes is uh, we're not going to ha- allow trading paints uh, to have your own livery, uh, color, you know, paint and whatnot. And so, that was shut down, but within 24 hours or so, I mean, it, I mean, that was the big topic uh, was why can't we paint this car? People are whining about it. People on social media showing, you know, I painted the car anyway. I made my own template, dropped it, you know, a file in a folder and, and did a screenshot. And we had, you know, people on social media sending Red Bull Mercedes uh, to Mercedes, you know, and, and pissing them off. I mean, on their championship week, you know, just before the race, I mean, Greg, I mean, you were just talking about what an important time this is, and this has got to be distracting for the Mercedes. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a good look, and I, that's the only unfortunate thing that a file is always created, no matter what, um, for each car, and you can still take it into a photo or into a booth, like the paint booths that we have that we use, the programs we use, and it's you can get it as one full stamp with no layers. And, and get and I'm guessing the people that made the Red Bull ones guessed at every area and got it all put together to do it properly. But um, it's not a good look on iRacing to have this happen. Um, I don't know. I don't. There hasn't been anything said if they're going to lock it somehow. Are they? Where they already they, did the release oh, this morning. Lock. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the unfortunate thing. You know, we're all here to you know have fun and stuff, but there will be people that will still work around things and that's why things are created uh, extra on top of it that they weren't planning on doing but they did and now have done anyways uh i don't know it's it's not a good look obviously to start the partnership but obviously they've stopped it pretty quickly so hopefully that fixes it they actually also made it uh now a suspendable offense if you mess with the paints on uh on the mercedes oh i didn't know that part okay 
but yeah, I mean, so iRacing responded quickly with, you know, with a patch this morning to basically stop the ability of the system being able to read dropping a TGA in a folder, right? So you couldn't paint a Red Bull up and drop it in a folder and make a paint anymore, right? It the system basically stops it. Now, you can st still go in the paint booth on the iRacing beta UI and pull up some basic colors and, and color the car uh, different colors. And I saw that in some races this week in week 13. I went in with the F1 car where some people had put made a red car or a yellow car um, and that kind of thing. And so you can do some basic stuff like that. Basically, going back to just with that car where um before trading paints existed right they they're they're basically just um using the iRacing paints that are available the templates that uh, you can do in the normal paint booth that's comes in the beta ui so the old williams f1 car apparently worked the same way and had the same deal where it could not be painted but it wasn't locked down and so that got locked down today in the patch as well um, from being painted, just like the Mercedes. So my concern about this is, oh, man, I hope other manufacturers don't get this idea and ruin it for everybody. Because what, what happens if Chevy says, you know what, you're going to scan our Chevy next-gen car, you're going to have a Chevy paint job on every next-gen car. I'm going to tell you probably what would happen is you, they would, it would be a, um, it'd be a bad thing for iRacing. It would probably, it probably would take away a lot of, uh, cause it takes away less revenue taken out of people's pockets that have been using iRacing to create, you know, people who paint, do paint jobs and things like that. It's taking that revenue out. And, um, but it also is, um, you know, something sometimes that's what people come for is a creativity, right? Well, I don't think it's a something to be worried about because this was the case with the the older F1 car and we didn't see it spread, so it's probably not gonna spread this time. Plus when you were in series in most of the series, there's there's more than one team with the manufacturer. It's not quite like F1 where basically each team is a constructor and that's all that team is. There's, is there three or four or five different Mercedes teams in F1? Well, there's one Mercedes team. They have different, different teams run their motor, but the actual Mercedes team is a two-car team. But the cars are totally different. Yeah. So McLaren runs Mercedes motor. Williams runs a Mercedes motor, but they're different cars. They're just, they just, the Mercedes is a, a car, a, a team, and it also is a, an engine manufacturer in F1. Yeah, my instinct is that this is going to be a, a something that's going to be unique to the F1 culture. And uh, if, if it is, and I'm going to go back to one of the other stories we had about the Coanda Motorsport guys, you know, are, are they going to leave that series and come to an F1 series if all they can run is a, is a, this car with their very basic paints without using their own sponsorships and stuff like that, that they put on their Porsche cars. That's a good point, Brian. I mean, how do you monetize a world championship when all the cars look identical and, and how do you broadcast something like that where you, you can't tell the drivers apart? Well, you can still change the cars with paint job. And what they could probably do is actually upload each of their sponsors into the cars where, where you could at least put them on the sponsor blocks. 
Yeah, that's that's probably like David's saying. That's probably the only way that they're gonna you would get around that is it would have to be the sponsor can go here, but this this car has to have just used the template like the, the basic templates that they have in the iRacing. You can't obviously you don't want any of them to run the Mercedes one unless they actually have a Mercedes team, right? Also, a, lo- a lot of the cars have stamped areas where there's there's they're basically parts that you cannot paint on, which can can be covered, you know, basically where you cannot cover up the bow tie or, or things along those lines. So I don't know why they couldn't go that route as well. I would guess that at some point that will eventually exist too, to have as like maybe as a backup, right? Cause you said that there is a suspendable to have it this way. If somebody finds another way around, maybe they're just putting everything locked so you can't do anything with it. Right. Well, the patch changed it so that the iRacing will not even read that the the paints folder for the car now okay yeah that's what the way i read it too let's keep moving uh david knockhill yep got another this is another road circuit right yeah this yep. is uh faced out of scotland and uh yeah it's a just over two two uh point zero kilometers it's a 1.2 mile track so not real big i think it's usually mainly used for the uh, british touring car championships this is andy rabbit's home track and i believe this is the track that she went to when she had some uh real laps in a car um so she was pretty happy about knock hill what did it say on the video i can't remember was it four or six configurations it's and then, four yeah and then it also has a route one of them is a rally configuration too right yeah yeah, I think you can the rally start in the configuration garage. is sorry. I think the rally configuration might be a fantasy type of deal. I'm not sure, but um, there's three regular configurations that are used presently. No, yeah, I know. What I'm just saying one of the counting ones was the rally. I thought there's five total configurations, right, including reverse. Oh yeah, the reverse. And I think this is the one that has an oval uh, on it as well. I wasn't planning on buying this one. I've been a little bit lazy about learning new tracks on the road lately, so it, I think it's time to start picking some of them up. I haven't bought Hockenheim or anything like that yet, so when Imza goes there, I just end up skipping that week. Well, I mean, are you planning on doing the F1 car? Uh, not the F1 car, no. It's just uh, my plate's plenty full with stock cars and sports cars. Okay, Greg, Watkins Glen. So we got uh, Watkins Glen was fully rescanned and rebuilt for this year. Um, so that we have the new, a new version of, uh, of probably the, one of the oldest tracks on iRacing, but, uh, and one of the most out of date tracks on iRacing, but it's good to see from, uh, I'm not sure if we have it down later in the thing here, but there was a video posted about it. Um, you know, the stock cars can use the runoff area like what they do on, in real life and the, the infield or the, uh, the, the, the extra area for like the IMSA cars and all the road cars uh, looks even better too now. So um, I'm looking forward to running this uh, next year and seeing how it goes. Tree model is they have the new tree model. I ran this today or yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. No, it was yesterday and uh, in the F1 car and yeah, I noticed the trees right away. I noticed the new sponsorship, um, the signs are different. The signage. Go bowling. Yeah, go bowling. That's right. And uh, yeah, I didn't really notice anything else. I mean, it looks really good and everything, but 
it seems very much the same. Now, has has Walked Glen actually had any real world um, updates, any resurfacing or anything like that since it's been scanned? I don't think so. What do you mean, like the original uh, scan? Yeah, from they, the time that it was took, originally scanned. They took out all the sand traps and made uh, runoff Run off, with off. cement or caught with asphalt. So right, right. But they, the used, surf- they used to use they used to use uh, sand traps to stop the cars, and now they don't. I'm pretty sure you can t- do the bus stop flat in the F1 car. Flat. Like, I was, like, tiptoeing in there. I'd, like, let off the gas. I'm like, hmm, maybe I didn't need to do that. Well, back when they used to run Watkins Glen, it, they never used the bus stop. The bus stop didn't exist back then. They just went straight down the street. Just like the cup cars used to go down the straightaway and end up right in the carousel. They never went through the bus stop. Yep. That still that was still a configuration because it uh, every once in a while the Euro series goes to that track. Well, the yeah, eighty seven car when the eighty seven car raced there, they never used the bus stop. So Monday and Tuesday night when I was running the F one series in week thirteen, five hundred six hundred people um, you signed up for that. I mean, it was it was fun. I, except I never really got got had fun at Watkins Glen because every time I started a race there in the F1 car, I couldn't get to turn one because they would wreck uh, on the, on the standing start. So it's a typical F1 standing start and boy, it makes for quite a replay too. when they all pile up. Well, and if people don't know how to like an F1 car is a lot trickier to start than any of the other cars. Like there's different, they usually go through different stages with clutches and stuff like that. So just giving her off the line in first gear and going is not going to be turn out real well. And anybody that's new to it, it's going to have trouble. If you don't have the double clutch on, on the F wheel type rim, it's a lot harder. Uh, it's actually pretty easy. If you have the double clutch, you just configure it rightly where you, you put it right on the bite point. Yeah. I had good takeoffs, but uh, they would pile up in front of me and nowhere to go. Yes. All right, keep moving. Not everybody else can go that. So, yeah, tell us about the uh, new track at Hockenheim Ring. Well, it's a new configuration. Uh, So we've already had Hockenheim Ring, but now they've added what's called the Porsche Experience Center. And this is like an interior kind of track. Um, So they had scanned it, but they never finished it. um, And now it's been finished. Um, So they released the Hockenheim Ring without it initially. And so now they have the whole thing. And so this is like if you buy a Porsche, you can go here and Porsche will run you through these little experiences where you go through these tiny little tracks. Now, I understand that these are only available in a testing or practice situation or time trial. Um, You won't be able to like have a proper race on these. Yeah, they said it's uh, too narrow basically to really do racing. So it's almost like a tech track, sort of, I guess. Right. Well, you can have you can a race, race at a tech track, right? Right. You, yeah, you can have races at tech tracks, like uh, the one in New Jersey Motorsports Park. I've done races there before, and that's a te- tech track. It's almost more like the hill climb, where it's really just designed for one car at a time. And then there was a tire-scuffing visual effect added. Brian, what about the ready-to-race button? Yeah, this is a really good uh, addition, especially for uh, road races where you might have longer qualifying sessions. So what this is, is, um, you know, you get like a 10-minute qualifying session. Um, 
you do your you do your two qualifying laps and then if somebody else in your race decides they want to start in the back of the field they don't want to qualify you know you have to wait out that entire 10 minutes of qualifying before you jump to the next session well this ready to race button will let you um bypass your qualifying and uh and you don't have to wait out that whole whole uh whole time period so it can really save a save a save some time on some of these qualifying sessions with guys who aren't interested in qualifying for the race and uh yeah i think that's a great idea and uh especially especially like i said if you have a five minute session and you're at bristol you know you can knock them two laps off in a minute and uh you know, you got four minutes just to sit around because somebody wants to start in the back. So okay. basically, if everybody agrees, you can start right away. Yeah, so there's a loophole here. Or there's not a loophole, but there's some problems here. All it takes is that one person, like... It will, you know, every time. There'll be one guy. That whoever goes to the bathroom and doesn't click it, or... Yeah. Um, the guy the finishing his cigarette. Or the one guy that spins out on the first lap and just leaves it there and doesn't finish the second lap. Or the guy pulling his bongs right before the start of the race. I mean, (laughs) a a lot of people manage that time and use that time because they know it's there. Now, I guess it'll still be there as long as you don't push the button. You could be the guy. Yeah, don't make make the mistake of pushing it if you have to go to the bathroom, though, and get quickly or something. And then all of a sudden you're coming back and it started. Well, think about this. You know, when you grid, there's a two minutes to grid, but once everybody's grid, you can start rolling. How many times do you ever actually get to start rolling before two minutes is up? Because there's that one guy who just waits. So yeah, this would be the same thing. We we do that a lot in the leagues. Well, in in league races, uh, everybody typically grids early, so uh, it's not too bad. Um, And they run out the whole... uh, the whole qualifying session, no matter what. But um, yeah, I imagine there'd be some flaming up too, right? Somebody yelling, "Hey guys, you can uh, you can bypass it if you're not going to qualify. I don't want to sit here for another five more minutes waiting for this race to start." But you can't see so, who's pushed the button. Now that's right, right, right. It's it a good just thing be a, that they it'd just be a general. They didn't do that. <laughs> now wait a minute. You, I mean, if everybody took a lap but one guy, you would know it's that guy because if you've done your laps, you don't have the button. Or you can look and see who's the qualifying times too. Right. But usually, there's usually there's thirty percent of the field that doesn't qualify. Yep. Or gets set to the right. back because it doesn't show up on time. So the um, I can tell you this: the next gen still doesn't have a new damage model. Nope, sure doesn't. Uh, but it has been a new damage model for the Dirt Street Stock and the new uh, Honda Civic Type R, as well as the. Uh, the Hyundai Elantra and the new uh, F1 Mercedes car. They all get the new uh, a new damage model. And I've seen some some videos with that uh, F1 car. And uh, man, it, it can get it can get messed up pretty bad. So the damage model is pretty cool. And that it that is. Day. Mike Mike died. Did you die in one of those wrecks? Yeah, I, I was definitely testing the damage model because this is the first time I've really tried it with an open wheel car and. Uh, First of all, kudos to iRacing to, you know, having the damage model on when they release the car. I mean, I think they had a pattern there for a while where they were releasing the damage model later. But it's, it's good to see it come out when the car comes out. So kudos there. But you're right. It looks really good. I mean, when the when it wrecks, I mean, the parts go flying and yeah. Well, 
I think the thing like you're saying here, Mike, is that they've every card they've added, they've done it to this time. And then they've just taken one card that didn't have it that we've already had in the sim and just done it to it. So eventually you can, if you can stay relative with the stuff you have when it's coming in and then update the stuff, the other stuff as time goes, you know, they can kill more, they can get more done that way, I guess, instead of waiting on it, right? Instead of rushing it out or yeah, they wait till it's yeah, done. Not every new car had it because they, they dropped the next gen and there was no new damage model. Yeah, but they that that next gen dropped just because like that, I I bet you their their idea of what they really wanted to do with that next gen was wait till it was in flight neck this year and then uh, and going on the track instead of when they released the cars to the media so that they and, and did all that stuff that was probably added quick that kind of changed their plans pretty quickly. And the last two items on the the big on the release, we have AI racing for three new cars, which is the Delara IR18, the Honda Civic Type R, and the Honda Alundra NCTC. Uh, there's also now iRacing at 19 new tracking configurations. I'm not going to read them all, but you can see our see our list. Cool. Um, the big one I think is the IndyCar. I haven't tried this yet, but I do want to try it. That seems like something they should have had out by now, the Indy cars at Indianapolis. Well, I think uh, a while back we heard from Greg West in the forums that there's so many different things with the Indy car because it's oval, it's road, you have the the tires, you have the push to pass, all the different things like that, you know, so it, it's a little more complex than a normal race car. Yeah, now that you said that, Mike, I do remember that they were having some issues with Indy cars and AI because of the uh, complexity. I mean, in the oval, you don't have to push the pass, but if you're an open setup, you're changing the weight jacker depending on whether you got a car in front of you or not. Now, well, I was just going to say, you know, as far as AI goes, boy, I really wish they had the F1 ready for AI as well. And because, you know, when I bought that car, you know, Initially, I wanted to get into an AI race. I mean, honestly, I didn't want to jump into a race with a bunch of people in a car I've never driven. But that's how what I ended up doing. But, uh, boy, that'd be cool if they had AI for that, too. Well, goodbye to the Glen, Greg. Well, this is an interesting uh, video from, um, uh, what is it, S SYMTV. Um, they... Uh, They've done a video of just, you know, random parts of the track of the old Watkins Glen and put the, the bagpipes to it uh, soundtrack with it. Amazing Grace. Yeah, probably on the cloudiest of overcast days of the gloomiest you could possibly make it. Uh, it it's well done uh, as a, a goodbye for the Glen. And... Uh, I don't like, and I didn't like it with Phoenix, and I'm going to say it this time, I don't like it with Watkins Glen. Why can't we just keep the old version? I mean, it's virtual. Let's keep it. It's, you know, it's not taking up space on a shelf, you know. But uh, it's gone, guys. Uh, the old version of Watkins Glen is gone. Uh, these guys, kudos to them for grabbing a video of the old one before it's permanently gone because... Once you update iRacing this week, you cannot get the, uh, you'll never be able to get the old Watkins Glen. 
Now, my question is, Mike, this goes back to your thing last week. Do you really care for a track that has no configuration changes? It's virtual. Why not? Yeah, but that that's the thing. Like, it's <laughs> it's a dead battery, but you won't throw it away type thing. It's 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 the old paint can <laughs> that has a little bit of paint in the bottom of it, but yeah, no one can get rid it. of it. I would hate to. I would hate to see Mike's attic. <laughs> he, well, he's burying a lot of stuff that, uh, or hoarding a lot of stuff that he will never get rid of. I guess. I just. I just don't. There's no need for it on the sim. If the track is not changed, they just updated it. It's kind of like, like Lime Rock would have been the same way too, right? Lime Rock was done the same way as well, was it not? No, there's the classic Lime Rock still. Okay, so I. I just don't think that you need this track because all it is is extra grass and, and a couple sand traps. And Phoenix is crappy in the old configuration. It's crappy in the new configuration, but it's crappy in both of them. But well, there's still a classic Phoenix because that was quite old, a, bit, quite a yeah, bit difference. Old, old one, yeah, with the grass in the backfield or the back, yeah. right? Now, I don't have a problem with them doing it the way they're doing it because you're not buying a new track. It's just an update. However, I wonder if they're actually passing up on the chance to make some money by not putting it out as a as a new thing. Uh, is it is it people actually, would have bought it? Yeah, is it actually? Um, I just wonder if it, is it actually saving them more money than it's than they're passing up with a new purchase? Is what I'm curious about. Well, I was trying to remember. Isn't this one of the original tracks that they give you as your membership? I think it might be. I don't think we bought this track. Uh, I don't think Watkins Glen is part of the original ones anymore. You know, it's kind of coming back to me. I think when I signed up, they had a special where they would give you like, I think this was, I think if uh, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think it was like you get all the regular content plus Watkins Glen or something like that. I don't remember, but I never bought this track, I'm sure. Well, did you buy Oggenheim? Because uh, we've already talked about it, but we've got a video with with an introduction video for the Porsche Experience Center. But why do we have the Porsche Center? Why can't we just have the old track without the Porsche Center? Sorry, Mike. Well, what I should have said is back when they released Hockenheim originally, Where's the Porsche Center? I mean, I didn't know it wasn't there. I, I, I they didn't even mention that. But um, I guess you have to be a local to figure that out. Great video, though. I mean, it shows you what the the Porsche Center is all about. Um, it shows you some. They have this cool. Oh well, they have a circle. It's kind of reminds me of the what is that centrifugal? How do you say that? Uh, centipedal track. They have one of those there as well. And some elevation changes where it goes up and down is kind of neat to look at. And if you you know went out there on, by yourself, it, it'd be fun. Now, Mike, I'm guessing with that circular track that they have in there, they probably do demonstrations like a lot of that stuff. Drifting or drifting and uh, uh, what do they call it? Skid pads, right? Where they put the water down and you know just play around on it. Maybe that's what they use that for too. Because I did some skid pad stuff too. That stuff is fun on tracks like that. Look at the 35-second mark, and you'll see that round circle. I mean, that'd be perfect little drift circle. Um, you heard it here first, guys. Drift, drifting, coming to iRacing. No, I'm just kidding. Well, you do have the centripetal circuit. You can drift there all you want. 
But this this is kind of like that circuit. I mean, Brian, you were asking, should we relate this to a tech track? No, but if you relate it to that round one, that round one, you can't have more than one person at that track. And so this will be the same way. I kind of like the elevation changes that they have on that little track, too. It goes up and down, too. Continuing to hit the uh, new video content for the new content, uh, iRacing has a post introducing the new formula car. And um, it looks like it's turning some laps at Silverstone, and it's fast. That car has so much downforce. The, the cornering speeds on it are ridiculous with, uh, you know, most some of those corners are t- high gear, full throttle. I think the first thing that threw me off when I first got in the car, I just kept going up in gears and it never stopped. I mean, <laughs> it has eight freaking gears. Now, what I realized is you don't need the eighth gear. You just run it up first through seventh, pretty much. The seventh and eighth are pretty much the same gear. Maybe if you're in a pack or something or you have a draft, you go to eighth. I don't know. Probably when you kick in the DRS. Yeah, it's probably for like the full... Um, it's just an extra because it's probably just the you know the the seventh and eighth are pretty similar to uh, the teeth wise on the thing. It's just probably a little bit more lot less. Um, the one thing that uh, I was going to ask you, Mike, since you're in the car, did you uh, click to rem- to make a transparent halo, or are you still do you have the full halo in the center? I didn't know you could make it transparent. How do you do that? In set in the setups, you just hit transparent. There's a there's a click down menu for uh, transparent, and it takes the center bar out. It kind of just kind of makes it, you know, kind of like puts like the image on like ten percent uh, viewing. You you can see through it. I think that's a legitimate choice too for people running monitors, because when you're in VR, you can't see the post. It actually is transparent because it's so close to you that it's kind of. It's like your nose. It's grayed out. Yeah, it's grayed out. It's just in so close that you you don't even see it. It just kind of gets jump, dumped out of the image in your brain. So why have the transparent thing? I mean, I guess the you know Lewis Hamilton doesn't have a button for that, does he? No, but it's right in top of his face, so he can see past it a lot easier. So I didn't know about the button, but I obviously have run the car, and I was going to talk about this, but the lack of visibility with that thing right in the middle – is extreme like like when you're on the grid like the the little upright thing in front of the windshield literally blocked the entire car in front of me like i can't even see the car in front of me because of it and the more you run it the less that that'll be there the more you get used to it you just you're you're so used to having an open windshield and seeing stuff from what you do mike this car is totally different apparently it'll take a little bit but eventually it'll, you won't notice it or you just do the transparent thing. It's up to you. Well, I think you're a hack if you turn on the transparent thing. Jeez. The, re- the only reason I found out about it was I was watching a Jimmy Broadband uh, b- video. Did you just call him a hack? Because he turned. I think I just there? called him a hack, yeah. <laughs> and there goes our European viewership. So uh, I haven't gotten the car yet. I haven't, haven't been in since I did the update. Um, I'm assuming you can do all three tire compounds on the F1 car, correct? Yeah, it's in the setup where you have a drop down. So what is it? It's soft, mediums, and hards is what yeah. they're out there? Oh, okay. It's, I, it was hard to tell if they had 
I guess there was a red, a yellow, and a white on the on the videos there. I couldn't tell. Yeah, the tires have different colors on them depending on what people pick. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be red. It'll be soft. Yellow will be mediums, and whites are hards. So, Mike, um, do you think this is faster than the jet car? On the, in the corners, yes. On the streets, no. That'd be interesting to test compare times. What, uh, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. What is the horsepower on that jet car? Or the jet? Car? Now I'm saying the jet car. Damn. That's what it is. It's <laughs> the It doesn't have a name. It's I R O one. I mean, that doesn't even roll off the tongue right. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, it'll be. It'll probably be because it's. You know, it's naturally aspirated, and there's never. It's not governed by anything, right? Yeah, it'll be you know, the, it's I'm, it's just so unsettling, uh, the F1 car, when it slows down at the end of the street. I can't stress that enough. It, it It's so counterintuitive. It, it really throws you off. It's going to take some getting used to if I'm going to run that car. That's for sure. Now, my other question is, is there's there's ways of managing the the put output, too. So there, it will slow down in the Australians, but you... There's got to be a way. There's got to be a tricks to it to managing it a little bit better too. Oh yeah, there's buttons. Like I said, I haven't figured out the buttons really. So that'll be next. All right, let's yeah. keep moving. All right, Brian, hit us up with this uh, video about Watkins Glen. Yeah, so uh, you know we we've talked about it, but um, I didn't realize that they had rescanned the whole thing when I originally heard that they were updating it. I thought it was just going to be more just like of them uh, changing the backgrounds and the uh, some of the sand traps and expanding the uh, carousel and stuff like that. But yeah, they, they actually did. They rescanned this thing from top to bottom, which is pretty impressive. Um, so I'm really excited to try it out. Um, it's, it's one of the better road courses from, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, this is going to be great. I can't wait to try this. Thing. Look at the trees. I love this track on the, in the GTE cars. Um, when you're running it, it's such, it's such a fun track in the GTE cars. Cup cars are okay, and I wonder how the since now the Cup car is more like a GTE car. I wonder how it's going to race there next year. You mentioned that I've been running week thirteen, uh, and it's been mostly uh, Porsche or the the GT3 cars at short tracks. But one day it was actually Charlotte, and I mean you could it was slam drafting, not not just drafting, but you could basically push the car in front of you all the way around because they have so much downforce they don't get upset with a car pushing on them. All right, we had the uh, eNASCAR Contender Series at Dover this week. I took in the broadcast at Podium Esports. Um, they had a guest commentator, uh, champion Keegan Leahy, on, and he was uh, fascinating to listen to. He had great insight. Um, and it was kind of interesting that, you know, the regular broadcast guys, they were calling their, they're doing their normal spiel. I'll also say it that way. But then Keegan would come in with his commentary and it wouldn't be following their normal spiel. He would say, this is what's happening in the race. These guys are saving fuel. These, everyone else is saving tires. These guys are hoping to make it, but they got to save a ton. That, they're clutching it. They're clutching it the whole way. And so he gave some really fascinating insight um, and he's a natural in the booth. I, I got to say that. But uh, anyway, it was a long uh, run with without cautions, and so it was a fuel strategy race. Uh, Dylan Alt uh, got it done. He, uh, he's kind of a road guy. Um, he he kind of 
said in his interview he expects to win on a road course, not necessarily at Dover. But he had an opportunity to because of the fuel strategy. And uh, he said the set was good enough where he, he didn't have to clutch it as much as others. And uh, he was able to keep in front. So nice win. Brian, fill us in on uh, the World of Outlaws. It looks like you got two weeks to catch us up on. Yeah, I'm going to catch up on uh, two weeks since I was out last week. Uh, um, week three was last week, and that was at Bristol. So this is the first time the NAS Energy Drink uh, World Outlaw Championship has been to Bristol. It's the first year it's been uh, a dirt track. So uh, it was a great race. Um, Jaden's Eden actually took the win, and uh, second went to Hayden Cardwell, and Alex Bergeron went came in third uh really good racing uh bergeron actually extended the series lead by 19 points by his third place finish in that race uh going into week four uh just uh one other note uh from that race um in one of the heat races uh jason sherman was winning was winning his heat race he, he's a driver that's never won anything in this series never even won a heat race before he was winning that race uh that heat race in the last turn um hayden carwell man and he threw it in the turn, slid up, and just wiped them out, man. It was it was a not a not a good look for Hayden Cardwell. He just took him out of the lead, and uh, he wound up falling to the uh, the B main. But Hayden Cardwell was car was still in good enough shape to finish second in his heat. But uh, yeah, that was that was unfortunate. He did apologize to him after in the post race interviews. Um, so uh, we'll see if there anything comes about of that. So that leads us to week four. And that was uh, this past Monday, and it was at Eldora. And uh, taking the win in that was James Eden. He goes back-to-back -back winning, uh, winning that race at Eldora. It was a photo finish in that 35-lap race. Uh, James, or, uh, or Hayden Carwell, he actually won the pole. He won the qualifying, and he was winning. He, won, he was leading every single lap of that race. James Eden just crossed him up on the last turn and it was a photo finish i think it was like three one hundredths of a second that he won by so uh that was a great great finish uh eldora puts on uh really good races in these sprint cars uh earlier in the race uh the, there was just a huge pack from from uh, fourth place back to tenth, where people were just four wide, just traded positions, sliding each other. It was a really good racing. Um, the, the leaders kind of checked out at that point. Uh, one of the people who was stuck in that big pack was actually Alex Bergeron, who was trading. You know, was running like between seventh and tenth place in that in that hustle, and uh, he actually uh, was lost connection in the uh, towards the end of the race there's about 10 laps to go and he just disappeared off the service so he wound up finishing like 17th and uh you know with james eden's winning two weeks in a row he took over the lead in points uh alex bergeron actually dropped to fourth place in the points after losing connection in that race so this uh this series is really just uh wide open for for who's going to take the win so uh we'll go next week is uh week five it's going to be at uh williams grove in pennsylvania so that's uh my home track and uh we'll see how it goes from there you know i i thought we had a video of that last lap but i, I don't see it but man that last lap uh, photo finish i mean they were slicing and dicing and sliding in you know slide job slide job and that kind of thing and uh three of them you know mixing it up there and uh that was fun to watch the other thing you mentioned brian on the first race was 
the fact of if there's a cutoff or there's a I'm going for the win and, and they're on the last lap, there seems to be a culture in this dirt racing where it seems to be okay or even encouraged for the guy who's on the outside looking in to descend it on that last lap and try to either get in front of that guy or slide job him or maybe tag him like what happened with, uh, with Cardwell. Uh, and even the announcers are, 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 are kind of waiting for it or, 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 you know, baiting it. I don't know, but it, it, even the announcers were kind of, you know, setting up, waiting for it. It's, it, it's a thing. Yeah. They, they definitely, definitely anticipate that kind of, of, uh, you know, sending it type of moment when the, the race is running out. But um, if you're not going to clear the car on the outside, when you send it, you can't, you can't just plow them. That's, that's just not good. You know, in real racing, you know, they're going to be pulling people out in body bags and that kind of a, kind of a deal. So, uh, in, in, you know, in, in races on a computer, uh, you don't have that worry. So people can be a little bit more dangerous. Uh, but I'm sure some tempers were pretty, pretty high at that, at, on that move. Well, not only do you have to not worry about personal injury, you also don't have to worry about a driver and their crew being in, being by your car after the race, right? That Good point. To allow them to be a little bit braver as well. Yep. Bring out the big wrench on those days. This next video, David, really drives home uh, what we heard on the Downshift podcast about how uh, Mercedes validated this car. So I think we had the real car on the left and the fake one on the right. No, wait, was it? Wait, you uh, can't even uh, tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't tell. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know which one it was. I, I, the only way oh, you can tell on, it guys. is the only way you can tell is the graininess of the of the the real video ma- makes it look a little bit more real, and you can actually see the driver turning his head a little, whereas clearly the guy on the left is not a VR driver. So. That's about the only time you can see a difference in the corners is the, is the slight turn of the head, but it's just two basically almost identical laps in the uh, in the sim car and the real car. A one o four o identical. Yeah, it was uh, six hundredths difference. Now my question is: is you know, it's one thing to validate it that way. I mean, we know what the real car did. How long did it take him to get to a one one fourteen o to kind of make this video together? Well, if it was Christian Chandler, not very long at all. I don't know who this guy is. Danny Elgerbay is the guy who posted the video. So I'm, guess, it's, I'm guessing it's his video then, probably, right? Yeah, it's not an iRacing video, right? Yeah, there's there's guys that are that are that level of talent. So it's Danny Elgerbay says he's a setup creator for Craig's setup shop. So he has legitimate credentials. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that it's that close. Um, you got to admit. Now, the other question is, is it's also nice to watch a track that in sim in real life, how close they are when you're running around in the F1 car too, with the, where they run their lines and everything. What track is this? Red Bull. So that's kind of, is that kind of a, <laughs> a subtle shot there though? Running this lap at Red that the Red Bull ring <laughs> in the Mercedes? too soon well i mean we'll find out in a in a couple days or <laughs> in about three days uh you know is mercedes gonna win it or is red bull gonna win it when you go tie tied on points into the last race of the year now this next video david it features them coming out of the garage at knock hill now is this a knock on the the nascar heat and uh, or whatever they call it well 
I guess it's a neat idea. I, I personally don't get terribly excited about it because other than for producing videos, um, I don't want to have to drive from the garage all the time to get on the track. But I mean, it is cool for, for, for uh, basically content creation. Now, my question is, is the reason that they're developing this standard to it is because in Europe, most of their cars come out of the garage and, and enter the track that way. Like F1, they're all their car. They don't sit in the pit stalls. They go to, they come out of a garage, their garage stalls and go, go out on the track. So maybe this is a feature they're adding for certain series just to make them look authentic over. I mean, I don't want to like, I think David, you made this point. I don't want to be in the garage and every time I do like, you know, if I go for a quick lap and I wreck, I don't have to try and get out of the garage again each time. Now this video will show all the different uh, configurations of the track. And it was six. Um, is it six? Yeah. And they show onboards of each. So pretty cool. Yeah. So they have international, international reverse, uh, was a nat- the rally cross. They have they even have an oval track on this uh, try. It's called a tri oval, which is kind of cool. So that would be interesting to see. Like a legends it. track, kind of. Yeah, it's it's a bigger ver- version of a legend track, but it also you know what legends track do we race on that has elevation changes? Right, it's like a mini Nazareth. Yeah. Well, Mike, we already hit this one. The uh, hot fix came out this morning, right? Yeah, the big one was to lock down the paint on the F1 thing. Um, We've already beat that a little bit. So let's talk about the other items they fixed. Uh, A pit jack collision parameters have been adjusted on the new damage model uh, with several cars. And it basically gets you stuck in the pits where the tire change couldn't be completed um, in that scenario. So they fixed that. Um, Dallara IR18, they adjusted... uh, the, the reflection and specular properties of a transparent halo have been adjusted. So, again, I'm not a fan of the transparent halo. Wow. I mean, we have different assists and stuff. They had to kind of, it's just something that they added, right? So it's no different than having blip of the throttle, not stalling the car. Do you, well, do you I guess. Um, hold, hold on. Or the virtual you, mirror. Mike, do you have the, uh, uh, does your car stall when you uh, spin it out? Oh, I have anti-stall on. Oh, it's such a hack. Hack. Yeah, hack. <laughs> I don't know. T- I mean, title idea, Mike is a hack. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the ND 500, and I want the guy next to me to can't see just like I can't see. I mean, if he can see better, I mean, that, that's an advantage. So I'm going to have to turn on this fake thing just so I don't lose an advantage. Like the advantage you're getting by not stalling? So here's what it says about the F1. It says custom car paints, decals, and specular maps have been disabled for this vehicle. The current paint pattern for all customers has been reset. Okay, so uh, yeah, nothing else really to mention in the hot fix. That was the big one. Moving on, since it is build week, that means we got a new season coming, Brian. Yeah, I'll just hit this real quick because they've... uh... Uh, down, they've uh, made available the schedule for the 2022 season one. Uh, um, so for all the all the official races are, are posted now, so you can check out and see what tracks you'll be racing at which week. Um, one of the things I noticed, I wasn't sure about this, but um, the A class cars for the NASCAR series are all 
next gen cars. Was that last year? That did they do that last season? Where it was all eight, you know, all next gen cars? No, I said I would I figured it would come in season one. Yeah, right? you're right. The NIS is gonna be there uh this year, so this is the yeah. time to do it. And it will probably it'll run into uh the start of the real season, right? So it makes sense. So uh other than that, um, you know, it's just just your normal schedule. Just find out what tracks are added to to your series. Now I'm going to jump down to the Grand Prix, page 76, and let's see what they got set up for the F1 here. So we got Grand Prix Series Sprint fixed. The Mercedes Class B 4.0 up to Pro races every odd two hours on the hour. Minimum six drivers, max drivers 28. There's four drops in a 12-week season. It's interesting that they went to a max drivers of 28 for that series. You think that yeah. they would kind of keep the number close to what they actually run, like at 20 or 22. And the schedule is your typical F1 tracks across the board. I don't see Coda. That's not one of them, but... Yeah, but they got they got pretty much all the heavy hitting tracks for F one, and it looks like they're a third of the distance of an actual race, maybe a quarter. Twenty nine to thirty four laps, basically. Twenty nine to thirty five. Half. So that'd be half. Sorry, that's half distance. Sorry, that's right. I was looking at the uh, fixed one. So, and uh, other than that, this we're probably looking at the similar schedules that we've seen throughout right just their big changes to uh f1 as well as the a car was there any there's no other series created for those two new cars right mm, i'm pretty sure they're going into to the michelin series the IMSA michelin series okay yeah we already covered the patch so let's jump on down to this nuremberg lap so they somebody as soon as the car comes out they're going to take it everywhere and, and set crazy times right well, well um Nordisch life how about uh, f- less than five minutes? Well, this is uh, the IRO one jet car, actually. Yeah, someone beating an old record, right? Yeah, four fifty four at the Nurburgring is a is a insane time. What's insane is watching this video that you can li- literally go this fast around this track. I mean, you have to know the track and know which turns are coming, kind of thing. There's no way uh, you could just go around this quick. Yeah, this was uh, posted by Ben Fuller, who who dropped this lap. He's actually one of the guys who was in that Delora World Championship. All right. Next up, we heard this week, uh, longtime sim racer Cecil Green has passed away. Um, Jonathan Dickert mentioned on Facebook that he had heard about it, um, said he was one cool cat. Wish myself and many others could have had one last race with him. And we also had a post from uh, Vincent Piscianti. I can't say his name. He said, I woke up to the sad news. We lost a friend in Cecil Green last night. Cecil's one of the funniest and cleanest competitors on iRacing. Uh, he was the Pied Piper of his hometown, Talladega. While I'm sure he's in a good place, a better place, I selfishly wish he was still here. Godspeed to you, Cecil. I've raced with Cecil Green a lot in NIS. Um, he was always a fixture there. Um, he's been in NIS as long as I've been there. So 
um, longtime guy. He's he's a tally whacker, as I call it. <laughs> he was really good at the restrictor plates, and so whenever we were at Daytona or Talladega, uh, Cecil was a threat to win. He was just really consistent and and dependable to drive by. You just uh, you didn't really ever have to worry about him overdriving a corner, sliding up. If you caught him, he wouldn't he wouldn't overfight you, but he also wouldn't uh, he wouldn't just you know bend bend over. But he was kind of more of an old school driver, like some of us who just who uh, prefer to drive a little bit more like Mark Martin. He would let you go and then catch you later, kind of thing. Greg, you've raced Cecil as well. Yeah, I raced Cecil a lot. I want to say even last season I was racing up a bunch. Um, then I didn't see him later on, so maybe that goes coincides with some of the health concerns he had. But um, I raced a bunch of races this season in NAS with him. It's a sad day. But, uh, I mean, the community is only getting older every day, right? It happens. Uh, man, it's, it's tough when you race with some guy for years and then this happens. Uh you know, you never meet these per people in, in real life, but there's still a connection to them. Like, like David says, I mean, you can just kind of be around each other on the track and there's a level of trust with certain people because you've raced so many laps with them. You know what to expect. And, and so even though you don't know him, you feel like you do. Let's do current events. Brian, you're up first. Yeah, this is the... Uh... The um, the tenth annual Winstell four hundred, so it's returning for its tenth annual race. Um, it used to be known as the I've Got Balls four hundred, <laughs> so it's the biggest and longest running event at Daytona since uh, two thousand and uh, at Daytona two thousand seven track, and uh, this is going to be an event held on January sixteenth at seven thirty p.m. Um, so. Uh, the purse is going to be uh, the total purse is going to be twelve hundred fifty bucks, with no entry fee. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it's going to util utilize uh, twenty twenty one uh, Cup cars uh, at Daytona two thousand and seven, and you can find all the rules and race information and how to register. Uh, if just go to our website, it's the easiest way to do it. Go to iracerslounge.com and go down to the tenth annual Winstell four hundred. Yeah, this is a Sunday, and I actually work when this takes place, so I'm not going to be eligible. But I thought it was a, a good one for our listeners because there's no entry fee and you can win money. So I, I love the ones with no entry fee. And how about charity races, David? Well, how about a diabetes charity race? Um, we're announcing a new charity event that will be put out by Freaky Fast Broadcasting. This charity event is to help raise awareness and hopefully donations for juvenile type one diabetes or diabetes. Uh, the event will be at six, the a six hour endurance race at the Daytona Rose course with cars used in iRacing's official 24 hour race. It's going to be held on January 7th at 8 PM Eastern time. And additional information can be found at the links and we have them on the page. A good warm up, Perhaps this is a Friday night. This will be a couple weeks before the 24, I think. It is. Um, I know I have a, a jazz event I have to record earlier that day. So I don't know if I'd be home in time or not. Plus, uh, I think a friend's getting married. All right. Next up, we have uh, another practice race uh, for charity. Um, the GZR Daytona 6-Hour for Quiet Netherlands is a charity race. Saturday, January 15th, GZR will host this charity practice race at Daytona. 
Um, best of all, uh, entry to the event is free. We do run this race for charity and we've set a goal of $250. Please donate at the following GoFundMe. And so they're going to run the same cars at Daytona, obviously. 30-minute practice, 30-minute queue, and six-hour race. Uh, this uh, all, uh, Quiet Netherlands uh, fights poverty all over the country by using their local business assets to organize things for people. Check that out. And then, Greg, we have a Bathurst challenge. Someone take this. Uh, I'm just trying to do something here. I got you. Um, so this is going to be on held on Friday, December the 17th. So that's coming up in like two weeks. It's the Association of Sim Racing America presents the fourth annual Bathurst Challenge at the dreaded Mount Panorama Circuit. So, uh, yeah, it's on Saturday, December 18th. It's a uh, free practice is going to start at 8 to 9 p.m. for an hour-long practice. The support race is the Pro 2 Lights between 9 and 10. That's a six-lap race. Uh, The uh, support race for the uh, VW uh, TDI Cup is between 10 and 11. That's a nine-lap race. Crazy, all uh, these support races and stuff. They got a main event. They got support races with different cars. They got the trucks. I mean, crazy. Yeah, so that's uh, on Friday, and then there's support races on Saturday the 18th. And then Sunday the 19th is going to be the uh, main event. It's a, there's an hour of free practice from 7.30 to 8.30, qualifying from 8.30 to 8.55, and then the race is from 9 to 11, and that's a 43-lap race. All right, and we got the links. Um, now we got a iRacing official special event, Brian. Yeah, this is the 2021 Chili Bowl Nationals. So uh, that's uh, the uh, midget race that's held in Oklahoma. Um, and and uh, that's going to be held uh, Monday through Friday between Next the 13th week. and 18th. So, yeah, so that's at 9 o'clock each day. They're going to be holding their uh, preliminary preliminary races. Uh, there'll be a Saturday super session taking the top 60 and over, overall points from the week. And uh, that's going to be at uh, – 9 p.m. Eastern time for the Saturday super session. And then, uh, so yeah, so uh, this is one of the very few uh, iRacing special events that doesn't really coincide with its real world counterpart because the real world race is like in January. So, uh, so it's a little earlier than that, but still it's a great, it's a great track. It's a fun race to get into. Yeah. If I didn't work, um, uh, I might be interested in this too. David, did you have another special event? Uh, I I have one, uh, but I was just going to throw it on the next show because it's not till January. I was sitting on the Monday Night League Racing server, and somebody announced an an Atlanta charity race for two fifty. It's in the Xfinity car, and um, I'll get you more details on it next week when when I have a chance to look it all over. Okay, moving on to housekeeping. Don't forget the aftermath. Go out there and get it. They're a great podcast. Don't forget that simcoaches.com has increased our affiliate link to 10% off uh, if you use the code iRacersLounge at checkout. We're on the Performance Motorsports Network. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. We looks like we have time to hit a few uh, hardware topics, right, before we jump into results. We'll hit the first big one, a new product out from Fanatec, and they have a promotional video, and it's basically a Gran Turismo DD Pro, which looks like it's featuring the CSL DD plus a Gran Turismo style wheel. 
Now, if I was Tom or Tyler who bought this wheel or the, this base, I mean, they waited months and months and they got delayed. I mean, how bad, how bad was it, Brian? I mean, they wait, Tyler waited forever when he, after he bought that thing. Yeah, he sure did. And it, and it got delayed and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy how long he was waiting for that bad boy. But Fanatec is saying literally today, you can order this wheel and this base and get it shipped today and have it like in two days, uh, air shipment. So apparently they changed their strategy on this product where they are air shipping from Europe versus trying to, you know, ship them by boat and they get caught up in these long delays. So I don't know. I'd be kind of mad that, you know, I went through all those delays and now you could just turn around and buy one and have it in two days. That's a good idea. The ship shipping has become a nightmare lately, right? I'm going to jump a little out of order on the, uh, a script based on a tip from Brian because we did tease this one and um, it's almost our namesake, right? We have the lounge chair from, from Lusco motors. And it's um, basically, it looks almost like a, uh, an air mattress kind of couch type setup. It looks comfy, but it's in it, but, and it's also in the formula one setup. Uh, the downplay might be how adjustable is it, but boy, it does look comfortable though. For us older fellows getting in and out of it, may be a challenge. Does anybody think that the raising the wheel and everything over your head to get in and out is kind of cool though? I just don't know how, how stable is it and how does it, what if it comes down on your head as you're getting out? <laughs> Well, you don't well, you don't necessarily have to do that either, right? You can you could climb out the normal way as well, I guess. So look at the drawings across the top of the picture, the one in the upper right. It shows that the whole surround thing lifts up over your head, including the wheelbase, so you can step out of it. Is this kind of like when you can order those mattresses online and then you pull them out of the box? They. Uh... They they blow up. Can you, blow can up. you can, does this happen with this rig when you buy it? Well, one positive will definitely be assembly time, right? There's not you, you probably don't need an Allen wrench and, and a thousand Allen screws. Now, what is the yeah, material? I, I mean, it almost looks like I see sewing, like it's stitched together. I wonder if it's just padded with like like a sturdy um I don't know what could you know. It's got to be something that's got that's like they can mold, so it's not like a, f a full foam because it would be really really soft then. And if you're wide in the shoulders too, are you going to be bent up against them? Those two brackets, um, it looks pretty snug, um, but I mean, it, it almost looks like a piece of a you know furniture the way the way it's uh, the way it's built with all that padded plush leather or pleather whatever it is. I'd be worried as a, I'm not worried about my shoulders fitting in it. Those open sides, letting the rest of ourselves fill out the other part underneath their the armrests. So that's a good thing. You you have escape room. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> ventilation. It's called ventilation. So okay, so let's talk about the problems with this. The wheelbase is between your legs, right? Pretty and then look at the pedal like tray. I mean, the pedal tray. No, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike. Look at the look at the picture with the guy in it. His legs, his legs go between it. Like the wheel, it's a it's like a U over top okay. of them. Okay, so maybe it doesn't. But, I don't but what like about that, the pedal that, tray? I mean, that doesn't pedal... that seem flimsy? 
I, I was going to say, Juan really, really, they, I don't know if I trust how it's mounted into a material. Like, that material has to be really strong for you to be able to push on that brake pedal and not brake, you know, completely push it off the pad. Oh, I'm sure it's, you know, there's metal or something underneath that that it's anchored to, but even then it's, it seems fragile. You're putting all the weight of, of your leg muscles on a hinge and a cylinder, right? Real thin piece too. Yeah. You know? And I, I imagine this is a VR uh, rig because there's no type of monitor situation going on there. Well, you couldn't get a monitor that low. <laughs> I mean, you'd have you to can, custom build something. I was going to yeah. say, there's some companies that just offer monitor stands, is there not? Yeah, ironically, you would probably get a uh, custom 8020 monitor stand to go with it. Now, Luso Motors, we've talked about them before. They're known for their seats. And so they offer seats for sale. Uh, if you scroll down on your Instagram page, you'll see that, you know, that these hard, you know, real thin seats, uh, like a hard carbon. Um, and so he's digressing. We've talked about him a few months ago. He said he was going to uh, build some kind of rig, and this is definitely unique. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Where is he located? Europe. I don't know specifically. Yeah, Tony Gross found this one. Pretty cool rig. The other one I want to jump on, guys, is the Camus. Okay, so this came out of nowhere. The Camus DD wheel is now available. And from what I can tell, it's from China as well. And uh, it's 15 uh, NM for power. And it's not bad. I mean, what, what I like about it, what's unique about it, it has buttons on the front of the base. And so you can map those buttons to various things, but they're nice buttons. They have different kinds of buttons. But, uh, yeah, and it's got a wheel that comes with it. And we got a YouTube video um, with kind of a review of it. Um, and I found their website. It's camus.com, C-A-M-M-U-S. And uh, you can go there and uh, pre-order this. Now, they sell not only their wheel and wheelbase, but other stuff, too. You can get pedals. I haven't even looked at their pedals yet. And cockpits. But, man, I mean, this is really going to drive uh, price and, and competition. I mean, this is the third, I think, wheel manufacturer out of China that we uh, have. I actually forgot the name of the second one. But we had the Sim Magic, and then there was one we went over, like, two weeks ago. Is that the one that looks... It had orange on it. Yeah, I was going to say it's orange. Yep. And now we got this one with the buttons on the front. Wouldn't the... I don't know. The, those buttons seem like they're in the way. Or the wheel's in the way. Yeah, while you're driving, that's going to be rough to hit. I would use... like if I was, I was, with, with what we're doing at iRacing, one of those buttons would be the, the exit and enter the, you know the screen if I was going to use it since they're off, they'd be off the the wheel then, right? Yeah, maybe a starter and ignition too, something like that. So I, I tried to like find a price or how to buy and I'm not finding it. So I still think it's really new. But uh, yeah, we got another wheelbase, guys. And I think Tony was thinking about buying that Sim Magic. Maybe we can uh, redirect him on this maybe. Because this will give him more power than that that sim magic i think was only 10 
and this one's 15 and from what the reviewer said it's going to be similar price okay we'll jump into results next uh we didn't record a lot because it's uh off season uh what do we do we got some league stuff let's talk winter league david p9 yeah we ran at nashville and it was almost a nostalgic race for me because this is the short spoiler package right with a high horsepower and you actually had to drive the car it wasn't just drafting around and and barely lifting in the corners I was braking, I was trail braking, the car was actually burning the right rear off more than the right front. Um, the tire management really paid off at the end because that's where I really gained all my position. I started like somewhere around 20th something, um, but just continued to catch people as their tires wore out and they, they had to really wait on the throttle. Uh, and yeah, came, climbed all the way up to ninth. I was as high as fifth on, on tire strategy and, and towards the end, um, I, I ended up, I think, making a pretty good call on the tire strategy, and, and was able to snag a top ten out of it. And that's been a tough, it's been a tough start to the season. Last year, I finished fifth in points, but uh, it's been a lot more competition present this year. And I had a lot of bad luck early on, so it was good to get back up into the top ten. And the set is a fixed set for this league, and the set was very, very loose almost like there was something wrong um, and I, I struggled with it I actually spun out several times on my own uh, and ended up in the back and lapped and that kind of thing and I was a lap car basically racing uh, for the lucky dog uh, with some of the regulars that race for the lucky dog and uh, and one guy was really pushing it I mean he was diving down or below me and even though I was on the bottom and caused me to push it a little bit harder than I could and when you do that in this car like what David said I mean you just step over the line a little bit it goes around I mean and and so uh, I ended up wrecked out really and, and in that wreck I actually spun back into the wall and it stuck like I stuck into the wall like the nose was hung and you know I went from 100 mile an hour to zero in like an instant and uh, yeah my day was done I also ran the Man Cave After Dark Thursday Night Truck League um, at Thompson, uh, dead last, and quit because I sucked so bad. I mean, there wasn't very many people. I think we had eight or nine guys or something, and a couple of them wrecked out. And after that, I was still running, but I was last and getting lapped, and and I parked it. I, I mean, I think that league will be fun if we can get a lot more people. So if you don't have anything going late Thursday, come join me. We uh, we ran the uh, Friday night too, Mike. We ran the uh, A7 car at Charlotte. Oh, that's right, uh, the NIS Winter League uh, Winter, right? Yeah, that was a that was a fun race. Yeah, let's talk about that. I don't remember how we finished, but you're you're right. Both of you and I had fun because the car is so hard to drive. Well, it was all about managing the tires because what. What did we get into? I think the longest run we had was like 40, 45 laps. We were down in the, in the like 20% range on our tires after that run. Yeah. Um, I think I finished sixth in that race, sixth or seventh. Um, but I was, I got wrecked intentionally and 
I almost, you know, this. The, the, do you remember the one guy in that race that just caused mayhem with everybody? I, we don't know how he still survived because he should have been halfway through that race. He should have more, more than enough exits because he intentionally wrecked me. He came, he went through the grass under caution and went after me um, for a wreck that he caused in the first place. So then he went after me, after me, and wrecked me. And everybody, everybody was going to protest. So I went to go check to see if he never got to race the rest of the, the week because uh, he was pretty bad. He brought out, I don't know, I want to say a good five to five to ten cautions. Yeah, I remember that. They were the same guy was involved in everything. And yeah, it was fun, though. And I'm going to continue to do that on Friday nights. That was well, a you got blast. The good, you got your, it'll be a good track this week. It's Tally this week. I don't know. I mean, I've had trouble at Tally in that car where I'd get to the, I can get to the front just like I always can get to the front. But when I got there, I'd wreck. And it was the clean air. I, I think the no, air on the down on the nose. And I would turn the wheel too much and that baby would come around every time. So every, I had, a, I had a time where every time I'd get to the front at Talladega in the 87, I'd wreck. So I'm really gun shy. Maybe don't lead to the last lap. Maybe I'll try that. Well, and I was saying to David in, that, in, in, in chat that I think uh, David will like this series because um, David's really good at saving tires and stuff. So I was, I was hoping that maybe he can join us in this uh, series at some point, maybe this week or following week. I don't know. He, he definitely liked this car because of the, the tire management aspect of it. All right. And then Saturday night, Chris Scales and I ran the Sim 500 Esports Racing League Throwback Arca Series at Talladega. We went into this race. I was like pumping Chris up. Chris has had some tough times and and I'm like, we're going to get you a win, bud. We're going to get you a win. And we went in there and we were looking good. I mean, him and I, so I hooked up with him right off the bat. I was on his tail and we were in the top five, waiting for the gas to run out, waiting for that first pit stop. We were, you know, within, you know, just a few car lengths of the leader. We come to the green flag stops. We have it all planned. I, you know, hey, I'm going to go deep. You go shallow. Well, I guess Chris misunderstood what I was saying with you go deep, I go shallow. He thought I was going, he was going deep or vice versa. I don't know, but he ended up speeding, getting on the pit road because he didn't understand where I was going and he thought I was going to run him over and I didn't. But uh, yeah, so he ended up a lap down because of that. I came back out and was in contention for the win, but got wrecked out near the end. Now, Chris was down a lap at that point, but was still helping me, uh, still in that lead pack. But uh, we all got wrecked near the end, but uh, boy, we were close. Okay, Brian, OBRL ARCA. Yeah, so uh, this is the new season for ARCA. Um and it was at Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Mile. So uh, I got a little bit of late start jumping into practice. I didn't really do anything the week before because I was out of town. And uh, I was just terrible at practice. But for some reason, uh, I, uh, I kind of like uh, did some during the driver's meeting and stuff. I was watching some uh, replays and kind of figured out a line and wound up uh, qualifying in fourth place at uh, before the race started so I like dropped like more than three tenths of a second in my time from practice to uh, to the qualifying so and uh, I was running the top five for the first 30 laps or so when we had a caution now this was a uh, 130 lap race my fuel 
my uh, fuel was looking like about a 90 lap uh, run before I would run out of fuel. So uh, I thought I was just outside of the uh, fuel window. So uh, we got another long run going. I was going to do one more stop and split that 90 lap run into two 45s. So I, I pitted and came back out and um, and not too many other people were pitting. Um, all the leaders were staying out. Everybody was staying out for the most part, except for people towards the back. I was the, I was the lead car in that that had taken the one pit stop, and uh, I, I wasn't sure if everybody was going to make it. I, I was thinking that uh, all the cars that were in front of me when I pitted might have to. Do a late pit or something like that, but we wound up having a, a caution with about 20 laps to go, so that strategy kind of went out the window. I had gotten back on the lead lap by that point because everybody was really slow on old tires compared to me, and uh, everybody had to get tires at that section. And I, I, I started asking around, "Were you guys going to make it that run if it stayed green?" And uh, the top guy said, "Yeah, they had two or three laps to spare." I was like, "Man, I, I did not have that much fuel. I didn't think so." Um, I I restarted at the tail end of the lead lap because of where I was getting tires uh, in 11th place, but I wound up getting moving up to seventh before uh, before that 20 lap uh, finished off the race. So not a bad start to the season. I'll take that in the OBRLs. Nice run on a flat oval. That's a tough track. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. It, it chews up tires really bad too. Um, so, but it was it wasn't, wasn't too bad. Not one of my better tracks, and I got a decent finish. So, hopefully that that pretends good for the uh, rest of the season. I didn't get any incident points or anything either. So, get it get it started there. Okay, and then OBRL aftermath truck series. It's Jason Higginbotham in the forty four wins the iRacers Lounge Aftermath podcast race at Lucas Oil Speedway. Sean Sadler second, Tom Ogle third. Then we had Gitter Dunn racing, uh, Peter Kopko's new league. Uh, Tyler got a P10, started in the back and quickly drove into the top 10 before f- first stops. Had a really fast car on old tires and saved a good bit of fuel. Led some laps under cycles and ran around fifth most of the race. Till I got caught up in a wreck from a driver that his VR went out. I limped to a P10 finish with heavy damage. Just glad I was fast and competitive, especially at Dover. Yeah, that was a Dover race, and they actually had two people with uh, VRs go out. They got blue screened, so from what I understood, it's a uh, you know there's there's their screen went completely blue, and uh, that's what happened to me like two weeks ago when I was in the OBRL race. I just got a complete blue screen, and everything went to hell at that point. So I don't know what's going on, but. Um, but hopefully it gets fixed somehow. It doesn't look like it was just on my end, though, because that's exactly what happened to uh, these other guys. I wonder if it's a track combo or something, yeah. We, we, we were at Dover when I had that problem, so oh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what headset they were using. I think they were using HP uh, G2s, so I don't know. I wonder if it was a Windows update or something like that. You never know. All right, and then I'll just mention week 13. Um, I've just been doing the F1 races. Uh, they're, run, they're running every hour or every half hour, I think. And uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to do that And um, because I don't think I'm going to give up my road rating once uh, season starts. So I'm going to try to get my fill on this car before Monday. All right, let's jump into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, so, um, 
you know, uh, teammate Tyler just got his new uh, Fanatec uh, CSL DD and pedals and stuff. So um, he gave me back my old G27. So I got got the old uh, reliable G27 back. Um, and I have a second computer, and I'm going to get my son a subscription. Uh, he had so much fun in that kids' charity rate, that kids' race. Um, I'm going to give him the opportunity to try to uh, to see how he can learn the race. I'll keep him in the rookie sessions uh, until he gets, you know, you know, until he gets good enough to where I think he can get a new buy new cars for him and new tracks. But you know, I'll probably just do like a month or two to see if he sticks with it. But he had a great time. He's not going to be racing in my rig, so he might not have as much fun. But uh, he's still, he's still. He, if he, if you love racing, it doesn't matter what you have. It's just you just love racing. So I'm hoping he uh, picks up on it, and I will encourage him and uh, and push him. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a race with him. I think that would be so cool. Pretty cool. Merry Christmas to him. That'll be fun. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Uh, just, I, I want to say every week that I look forward to racing, but uh, I'm going to not say I look forward to racing, and maybe I'll get some more racing done. Uh, David keeps jabbing me at that at any point he, he can get. Uh, life's a bit busy, and sometimes I just can't get things Greg, done. Greg, race and with me. Race with me. Race with me. I see your I'm, I'm lonely. I see your invites every time. It's just between trying to get all the stuff done for Christmas and stuff. It's just the day runs out real fast. Um, anyways, no, I look forward to uh, uh, tomorrow night running the 87 car at Tally um, and doing that and getting some more time on the sim on the weekend to try out the new content. Uh, I definitely want to run the F1 car um, and then look forward to the start of another season for everything else starting for week season one of 2022 all right uh david hall final thoughts yeah i'm showing up weird on the team speak list aren't i that's weird i'm not in my normal position. i know it threw me off too um couple things number one i got to run the next gen car in the the league r recruiting race at richmond and I had to turn the force feedback to maximum on my wheel and maximum in the uh, uh, iRacing service to just even get it to be where I could feel it. I don't know what's going on with that car, but that was weird. I didn't notice it it's at like, the mile and a like half. Yeah, I didn't notice it at the mile and a half, but there was just no strength to it. Um, just even just the resistance, you know, when you're in the corner. Uh odd uh make, makes me a little nervous i guess i'm gonna have to have a 100 wheel setting but it, i mean it was not it, normally at 100 it will rip your arm off and this was not the case um and the investigation into uh into vr tracking gate continues right um i reinstalled everything turned it on and almost immediately started getting usb beeps again but didn't have the tracking issue for a couple of for a day or two it would kind of run would run good and then finally one day uh boom 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 it disconnected about six connections disconnects in a row i even used a usb tracker and thought it was my logitech wireless keyboard so i unplugged that nope uh, it runs great for half a day and then boom 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 beep 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 tracking problems so at this point the next step is, is replace hardware so Tony just upgraded his system. 
he has a used motherboard that will go on. So he's sending me that. I'm giving him the shipping. And I'm going to pop that one in there and see if I have the same problem. If I have the same problem, the, the only thing left at that point will be the headset. All right. Troubleshooting 101. You're definitely going through it. Can you get just the wire for that headset, Dave? Not available no. anymore, no. Uh, I, I, I mean, but here's the thing. I've even had it unplugged, okay, and still got the USB beeps. So some something else is going on. It, I don't, indications are it's not the headset from that because I was getting the disconnects with with the headset completely unplugged, and and other devices were still pinging and saying they're randomly disconnecting. All right, my final thoughts. Man, I got the butt kicker, and it's awesome. Does it meet my expectations? Kind of. I think I expected more out of it. I expected to feel it more than I feel it. Yeah, I can feel it, and it's pretty freaking cool. I think my expectations were a little high, though. And so I had to curb those, and it could be the way I've installed it, but um, and so I'm kind of thinking, is there a better way to do it? Probably, because um, I feel mine, and I don't even have it turned up all the way. Yeah, and I've turned it up all the way. It also has a thing where... It turns off without me turning sound it off. Soundbite. <laughs> but it hasn't bite. turned off while I'm driving, so I haven't been too worried about it. Uh, what program are you running this through, Mike? Are you going through iRacing or are you doing Just the iRacing. I've just got my LFE out of the sound card into a Y cable because one of them is feeding the, the living room sub I have always had and then one to the butt kicker. Okay, that's what I run, and I definitely can feel it. Yeah, me too. I have mine about 50% at the most. Yeah, so I'm, I'm experimenting with it. I like it when I have it turned up pretty loud. Um, but if it's really soft, like when I race late at night, my wife sleeps right above me um, on the second floor, and she can hear everything. So I have to turn it down a lot when she's up there. And so when... When I'm running it real soft like that, I can't feel it. But I think it was a good purchase. Uh, I like it overall. I think I think I do need to fine tune it, uh, like you said. But um, yeah, I think it's been really good. I, now I run mine through SimHub. I think it's got a lot more um, uh, uh, settings for it than than the iRacing does. Um, I don't know if that'll fix your volume issue, but uh, you might get better fidelity out of it and better control out of what rumble effects you get. Well, I mean, when I have the remote or even the amp, I mean, there's no like maximum volume. I mean, it doesn't show like a, you've had it all the way turned up. It just has up or down and you can't tell where it's at. So you just crank it all the way up and then control it with iRacing. I mean, it, you just hit plus a bunch of times and you're going to get to max volume. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I do. I turn it on, I hit the plus a bunch of times, it's good to go. And you, and you can bind a key to the uh, to the master or the LFE volume. Now, I kind of copied your settings, David, but I added more engine sound. I, I just sound, I don't know, it just felt better with a little bit more engine sound in it. Okay, and with that, well, hey, we'll see you out on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.